but I'm excited about what I'm going to preach this morning. First of all, have you ever tried to find the problem of a technical issue? Oh, my craziness. Have you ever tried to fix a problem or try to find out the source of that problem? Like, you, you look, for me, it happens. I don't know if this happened. It always happens when you are about to submit the final part of your exam or your text, students, where are you at? Or what about when you're trying to send that paperwork that is due for that meeting that's coming in 20 minutes and the Wi-Fi crashes, and then you're trying to figure out how do I solve this? I don't know if you're like me, but when that happens, I'm like, nothing has changed. I haven't touched anything. I haven't <laughs> looked at the Wi-Fi. It's in a corner. Why isn't it working? Why? It should be working. I set it up. It should be working. The worst for me happens when there's a Wi-Fi, there's a router connection, but it says no internet. So then you go through this whole process of troubleshooting. You shut off your Wi-Fi. You wait a couple minutes. You turn the Wi-Fi back on. You go to your computer, and guess what? There's still no internet. So then you go a step further. You go to the modem, which majority of the time is in the crappy basement that you haven't normally walked around, and you got to go through a bunch of cables to try to find out where the heck is the modem. You shut it off. You wait a couple minutes. Then you run upstairs. You go to the router. You shut off the, the router that gives the signal, turn it back on, and you reset your computer. If you're lucky enough, if you're lucky enough, it works. If you're not, there's also other troubleshootings that you can go on your computer to figure out. Maybe it's a driver that didn't update well, and now the signal, it's not working. How many have that happened to you? Or some sort of, please let me know I'm not the only one. Sadly, a lot of us can find the same thing with our faith. We have said yes to Jesus, allow him into our lives. We fix him in a corner, in a place, and we said, everything should be all said. I don't have to take a look at this anymore. But there are bugs in the world that will come and mess up that relationship. There are bugs in the world that will come in into a Wi-Fi, into a router, and you have to reset. So in our relationship with God, there's moments that it has to be a consistently of us walking with him. Today, this morning, I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And there's going to be a picture that comes up. I, I like, kind of like this picture on spiritual warfare, but at the same time, I don't like it. Once it comes up, I'll talk about it. Um, because what happens is so many times when we think about spiritual warfare, we think that it's Satan and God fighting hand in hand. And, what, and we think it looks something like this, even though that looks pretty awesome. How many of you say? I, I found that in a matter of two minutes um, on the internet. Thank you, internet. Uh, so it looks pretty awesome, but we sometimes think that spiritual warfare looks a lot like that. That is this huge God that we serve and we leave, and this huge Satan that we're fighting against. And the reality is farther from the truth. We are victorious. Jesus already won hell and the grave. There's nothing holding him back. The enemy of our soul is actually very little 
when you look at it to the grand skin of God's victory and greatness and victory. So I kind of like the picture, but I don't because, but it gets, it gets you, right? It gets you. You can see that there is a tension in our lives that happens. Well, before I get started and I mention something, what has happened in the Christian world, there has been a pendulum swing that before, and I just want to preference this because I do want to be a balanced leader. I don't want you to confuse, and I don't want you to walk out of here saying that everything's Satan, all right? Because it's not. There's been a pendulum swing back in the days, in our honor, wonderful days, that God did some amazing things. There was this movement that happened that shifted that everything that was wrong in your life was because of demons. Everything. Headache. Demon. <laughs> you stub your toe. A demon. It's like the internet's not working. A demon. Everything was a demon. And there might be some truth to that, but the reality is that everything's not a demon because even Jesus made a distinction when he sent his disciples out and he said, I have given you authority and power to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. There's a distinction. If you actually look at the Greek word, there's a distinction for every single one of those words. The lame, the sick, the lepers, and the demons possessed. There's a distinction. It's not all demons. But there was a swing that felt, I, I don't know if it was to be spiritual, but at the same time, that's not to say that there's not an enemy after our soul. Does that make sense? There is still an enemy after our soul that wants to destroy you. And I stole this from my teacher. He gave me permission, but I stole it anyways. Um, this morning, I want us to consider the source of our problem. Consider the source of your problem. There are three areas that I want you to look at when you consider the source of your problem. Is it a physical problem? Is it a physical problem, a chemical imbalance, diabetes, heart problems, lack of vitamin D? If you don't have enough vitamin D, which majority of us in North America do not have because we're not outside that much, it actually messes up your mood. So many of us, if you don't have wonderful, healthy balance, which diet, which majority of us don't, we need to be on supplements of vitamin D. But if we don't have, that could be a potential of making your mood swing shift if you're not aware. So is it a physical problem? Figure it out. Talk to your doctor. Find out. Get some rest. If you're not sleeping, oh, Lord, your life is a hot mess because you're not thinking processing. You're not thinking clearly. Don't talk to me when I have sleep less than five hours. I'm drugged. I'm like, eh, what? I'm like... But it's a physical problem. So get some freeze, get some to a pattern. So consider the source. The first one, is it a physical? You can work at it. You can fight it. You can figure it out. The second one is, is it a psychological problem? An emotional problem? Trauma, abuse, abandonment, undealt stuff. All of these things can cause you to put your, your mood down. All of these things can cause your demeanor, your attitude, what you're thinking in your mind. All of these things, if you haven't dealt with them, if you haven't talked to somebody, 
I see a counselor, a psychologist, whatever you want to call her to this day, not because I'm crazy, but because I want to be a healthy individual so I can lead others into health. Does that make sense? So if there's situations in your life, there's nothing wrong with talking to somebody about it. I still do to this day, and I'm healthier because of them. I love them. Various people in my life that God has brought that has spoken life and truth and has given me a different perspective when I believed a lie or just saw circumstances from my point of view and not realize, no, you should be mad about that. No, you actually need to let that go. And somebody from my third point of view can speak life upon you. So is it a psychological problem, an emotional problem that has been undealt, and you need to deal with it. So the first one is it consider the source of your problem. Is it physical? Is it an emotional, a psychological? And the third one, which we're focusing the most this morning, is is it a spiritual problem? The enemy of our soul attacking you. And the reality is, that's that I was preparing for this, Many times, the enemy of our soul, that spiritual attack, that spiritual trauma, will use any of the other ones before to continue to bring havoc and destruction into your life. It might have not been him. It might have been another circumstance. But he will use whatever he can use to come and destroy you. The Bible declares that there is a war for our soul and my soul. And in believing that God, and I do believe that God wants us to be aware of this war. Majority of the time, people are not talking about the spiritual battle that we are in. Majority of the time, you don't realize that you do have to battle in this fight. That you are a soldier, that you're in the midst of a war, and there's not such thing as staying stagnant. There's not such thing as staying still. You're either drifting close, you're either drifting away from God, or you're moving closer to God. But there is not such thing as neutral. And I preached that a couple weeks ago—not weeks ago, but a while back. There's not such thing as neutral. You're either moving closer to God or moving away from God. The enemy would think that you just have to set up this relationship like the router, like the motor. Just set the relationship with God and forget about it. You don't have to put any work into it. But sometimes you've got to update the router. Sometimes you've got to reset the router. Sometimes you've got to, and thank God, a lot of things, all of those things happen when we're staying connected with God automatically. But when there's a disconnection in our relationship with God, all of those things that could have happened, that protection, that updating, that could have happened in our relationship with God, it's not happening because there's a disconnect. So the enemy will want to lie to you and tell you, you don't have to fight. And the reality is that human nature, we're lazy, period. We're just lazy people. We don't want to do stuff. We don't fight. And now i got to fight for my soul. Now I want to fight for my spirituality. Now I have to fight for my relationship with God. And if you and I don't realize that we actually have to fight for the relationship and the spiritual guidance and the truth that God wants to speak to you and I and use you in such a way, we are just going to, we'll be safe, don't get me wrong, but you're going to allow the enemy to keep you bound with a chain around your feet. And you move forward three or four steps and then he'll drag you down. 
You move forward three or five steps, and you're like, why is this happening? I'm giving everything to God. Well, could it be that it's a spiritual war, and you don't know how to shut the door to the enemy? So there is an enemy of our soul, and he wants you to be blinded. He wants you to get you confused. He wants you to keep you in that place so you don't move forward in that which God has for you. Whether you this morning have said yes to God or you haven't yet, I'm smiling, you haven't yet. Whether you feel that you're super close to Jesus or you're super far, I want you to allow God to speak to you. I want you to allow Jesus to speak to you this morning because God's truth, this word, God's truth, is meant to bring us freedom. God's truth is meant to give us an identity. God's truth is meant to rebuke the hand of the enemy and allow us to walk in his given design into our life. There is nothing in your life that will give you more purpose than this book. There is nothing in your life that will know you. Jesus, he says in this word, he declares that God knows the hairs, the amount, the number of hairs that you have in here. Nobody knows you on this side of eternity better than your God. Then you're God. Whether you're far or close, there's nobody that knows you better. But if you align with him, oh, what a victorious life you can live in him. So I want you to open up. For those of you who are watching, I want you to listen in. And I want you to, maybe now or maybe in the future, but I believe this is so crucial in our spiritual walk with God. That we do have to wage war against the enemy. But God's truth, like I said, he declares his truth over you. When you allow this word, when you allow this book to speak life to you, he will speak to you and he will remind you that you are loved, that you are valuable, that you are cared for, that you are important, that you're not a waste of time, that you are worth his time, you are worth his salvation. He died for you. He so loved you. He died and he stayed on the cross because of you. He could have called 10,000 angels to save him and rescue him, but because of his love for you, he that and all of that is in this book all of that truth is in this book and he wants you to walk in that freedom and empowerment amen our text this morning is from Ephesians 6 I had a bunch of scriptures so I didn't put them on slides because the team in the back would have killed me Uh, not literally they're awesome but thank, can we just give it up for the sound and media team? So many times we don't recognize them, and they're the ones making everything go smoothly in the back. We only look at them, or, our break, or we break our necks when something goes wrong, and we just look back. The slide is not up, or whatever. But they do a wonderful job, so thank you guys. Thank you for all of you, from the camera to the sound to the media to the computer. Thank you guys. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, you allow us to do what we're doing here smoothly, so thank you. Just, I didn't, it's not in my notes, but I just love you guys, so thank you. Um, but Ephesians 6, um, it's not going to be on the slide, so don't look at them. That's on me. Um, Ephesians 6, verse 10. And just a few verses. I'm going to read it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God so you can stand the schemes of the devil. Just in that portion alone, Paul is letting you know that there's a scheme of the devil to destroy your life. And you have to believe, you have to be fully armored. 
And again, he explains more in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Again, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days and having done all to do to stand, keep on standing. The enemy will use anything he can against you. The way Satan and his demons works is through this word called legal rights. Can you say legal rights? So what is a legal right? By definition, a legal right is a power or a privilege held by a general public as a result of a constitution, a state, a regulation, judicial prediction, or other types of law. No. Or a legal enforcement claim held by someone as a result of a specific event and transaction. This is how the enemy majority of the time uses legal rights. The second definition. A legal enforcement claim held by someone as a result of specific event and transaction. Do you know what's the most common way that you open the door to the enemy? That you give enemy legal right? Does anybody, you can talk back to me. Any, any ideas? Fear? Number one, yes. Anything else? What? Your mouth? Number one, I'm looking for something specific. The most common use for the enemy to, to blind you, to not realize that you open the door to him to cause havoc in your life. There it is. Unforgiveness. That's the number one thing that the enemy will use in your life to wrap a chain around your feet. You can be a believer. You can believe in Jesus. You could have prayed in your heart and believe that Jesus is your Savior. But if you still have unforgiveness in your heart, he will wrap a chain around your feet and he will cause havoc in your life. That's the number one way, that's the number one way that the enemy uses to cause destruction in your life, unforgiveness. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10, 11 says it, but, one, but on whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I do it for the sake in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. There's a scheme that the enemy uses on the spiritual warfare of our lives that any bitterness, any unforgiveness, any hatred, anything that is undealt with, the enemy will use in your life to cause havoc. He would use anything he can to bring destruction into your life. The Bible declares that there is an enemy to our souls. In 1 Peter, I believe it is. In 1 Peter 5, it says, There is, but be sober spirit and on alert, for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion, like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. When any time we let unforgiveness, unbitterness, frustration, unpass, on dealt traumas or whatever it might be, the enemy will use that to come and attack you. It's like he's looking for your failures. And I'm just saying I'm forgiveness. All of these things fall under sin. 
if you're practicing your life of sin, if you're not living for Christ and you're consistently in sin, you just had wide doors. You're just saying, come in, have a party in my life, whether you realize it or not. You're saying, and in every single action that you make, in every single thing that you're holding on to the enemy of unforgiveness, you know that you need to forgive that individual, that parent, that, indiv- that, that mother, that person who abused you, that person who hurts you, or somebody who cut you off on the street, whatever it might be, and it's so big in your life, if you don't give that over to God and forgive that person, the enemy will use that to cause havoc in your life, to destroy your life. The enemy of our soul is after you to destroy you, to kill you. You are God's image bearer. We, you and I, are made in the image of God. You and I have God's identity, his fingerprint in our life. In the scripture, it says that he needed us in our mother's womb. We have God's identity. So hence, the enemy is going to try to do everything to destroy you. Because when he looks at you and me, he just sees God. He sees his fingerprints. And he hates him. And his demons and everything that's demonic is just consistent rebellion against God. And they want to destroy your life. But I'm saying all of this not to scare you, but to make you aware that there is a spiritual warfare. There is a fight for our soul. There is some doors that we have to shut this morning. There are some things that we have to repent and say, God, I am going to surrender my life completely to you. God, I am going to give up everything that I have for you and surrender to you and say, I'm no longer going to walk this way. I'm going to choose to follow this way. As I follow after you, I'm no longer going to allow the door of unbitterness and bad habits and circumstances and false thinking to continue to control my life. I'm actually going to turn it over to you and I'm going to shut the door to the enemy and I'm going to give him an eviction notice to get out of my life. Because as you say, and as you repent, and as you surrender to Jesus, you are covered by the blood. It says in John, confess your sins unto God, and he is faithful and just to forgive you and wash you and cleanse you. Faithful and just. It's not that you have to jump through seven hoops. But at that moment where you messed up, at that moment where you surrender all things, you confess your sins unto God, there's automatically if it's genuine, there's an automatic transformation that happens in your life, that he covers you. But then you have to, the enemy doesn't want you to know that then you have to kick him out. You can, you can be saved, you can be found, but if the enemy keeps you bound and thinks that you don't have to kick him out, he will still cause havoc in your life. Why? Because of legal rights. The legal rights has been broken as soon as you said, Jesus, forgive me. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. So he just wants to destroy your life. But until you say, enough is enough. I have surrendered to Jesus. I have submitted my life to Jesus. I am bought with such a price. I am a candidate of faith. Now I stand in God's authority and I stand in his power and Satan, you have to get out. And everything that you have done and everything that you're causing and everything that I don't know, whether knowingly or knowingly, I know that you're causing in my life. You have to go and destroy all your work and go to the pit. 
In 1 Corinthians 10, 3, 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful of destruction or of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every top captain to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Many of the battle that you will have against the enemy will start in your mind. The enemy, it says it in the Bible, put on the armor of God because he's throwing fiery arrows. Have you ever been thinking and worshiping it and out of nowhere comes this terrible thought about something else? And you're like, where the heck did that come from? And you don't realize, well, the enemy is trying to cause confusion. He's consistently trying to attack you. He's consistently trying to get you in your weakest spot. He knows you. He knows where you have opened the door before you. He knows whether if it was pornography or alcohol or drugs. He knows what it is. So he's just going to start replaying that same thing. You can close this door now. He'll try another door. And then when he tries that other door and he finds a close, he's going to come back to that same door. Because he knows that's the majority of the time that's the door that he keeps open. And then if he doesn't, he'll continue to attack you. If you are a house and you don't close the doors, not my actual house because I keep all my doors open. But if you have a house and you have valuable things in there and you don't want somebody to get in and you live in a terrible neighborhood, I don't, and... If I did, I have warrior angels in my, whatever. Um, They're not going to attack my house. But if you live in a terrible neighborhood, you'll be afraid, not afraid, but you'll be concerned and you want to make sure you safeguard what you have valuable in your house. Well, the enemy knows how much value you have inside of you, and he's just trying to destroy it. And And he will keep you blind to not realize, I do have to protect my life. I do have to shut the doors of the enemy. I do have to be aware of what my thinking is. It will always start in your thinking. Always. It will always start in your thinking. The pattern of your thinking, what you're meditating on, what you're focusing on, you got to take it to captive. This is a strong scripture here. Because majority of us, including myself, are not doing this on a consistency. We have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Just that phrase right there, take every thought captive. Who controls the remote control in your mind? Who owns the remote control on your mind? Is it God or is it the enemy? We have about 30 to 60 seconds to decide what we're going to do with the thoughts that come into our minds. 30 to 60 seconds to decide what we're going to do. We see that nice guy or that nice girl walking by. What are you going to do with that thought within 30 to 60 seconds? You're scrolling the internet and that website pops out. What are you going to do within those 30 to 60 seconds? Are you going to close the pornography website or are you going to leave it open? 
What are you going to do in those 30? Who controls the remote control? Who controls that remote control in your head? Who has access to it? Who's the one controlling it? Because the thoughts, we are meant to capture our thoughts. We are meant to decide, no, I'm not going to think that. No, I'm going to make that submissive to Christ. No, that's not going to happen. No, I capture that and I put that down. No, I'm not going to curse that person. No, I'm not going to walk in hatred. No, I'm not going to walk in unforgiveness. No, I'm going to choose to forgive. Many of the battles that happen in our lives will happen in our mind. And the enemy wants to keep you blind, wants to give you bound, wants to keep you in destruction because he knows that if you don't control your thinking and you keep allowing the doors to be open, he can cause havoc in your life by giving him access into it. So we need to control our thinking. When he does that, he gets you into a place of confusion. He'll confuse you about God's truth. He'll confuse you about your identity in Him. He'll confuse you. He will start, let's say you, this morning, you come to this altar and you surrender everything to God and you say, God, forgive me and change me. And then as you're going home, I have no doubt that the enemy said, that wasn't real. You didn't close the door. I still have access. But you did it. But he'll get you to be confused about your actions and your decision to follow Christ. Why? Because James 1 says, For the one who doubts is like the surface of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the men are not to expect to receive anything from the Lord. The enemy will bring confusion and distractions and all of these attacks in your mind to get you confused, to not even believe God's truth. There's no problem in doubting. There's no problem in wrestling. But if you're not going to God with that and you're just staying on your own and you're all doubting everything, you're never going to move forward. You have to run to God. So as I'm mindful of my plane, there's so much we haven't covered and I don't think I have even the time, even this morning. But I want you to know that there are weapons I'm making you aware of all of these things so you can be responsible of closing the door on the enemy. I want you to be aware so you can realize I do have weapons to fight against the enemy. I don't have to give him control of my life. I can walk in the victory that God has set out for me. I can walk in the truth of his word and not allow the enemy to cause destruction in me and my family or my future. Why? Because you can stand in Christ. So what are your weapons? Number one, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You consistently have to renew your mind with this book. As you read this book, you, get to, you read it not because you have to after religious thing. If that's all you do, you're never going to get anything out of it. But you read it to realize, who is God here? What is the character of God? What is he saying about me? How did he deal with that rebellious person? How did he deal with David when he sinned? Is he going to be merciful and just the same way to me? And he will. He's gracious. 
So when you read this book, it's not just so you can know all these stories. It's so you can realize the God that you serve. It's so you can realize the character of who he is and the truth that empowers you to fight against the enemy. If you're not aware of God's truth, the enemy will bring whatever truth into your mind or whatever lie into your mind, and you're going to believe it, not realizing that, no, that's not the truth. It doesn't stand against the word of God. If you see the temptations that Jesus went through, multiple times the enemy tempted him, and every single time Jesus said, it is written. It says in the word of God, it is written. So we need to be in this book. We need to realize what God says about himself, what God says and declares about you. Do you know that you and I are righteous son of God. We are adopted. We've been drafted. If we say yes to God, we have been drafted from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We can walk in his victory. You and I are his ambassadors. You and I are his shouts. You and I are beloved and loved and valued and appreciated and anointed by heaven to set the captives free and preach the good news to those around us. But if you don't know that, because you're not reading this book. And the enemy will cause confusion about what this book says. But the more and more you fall in love in this relationship with God, the more and more you realize, no, that's not true. So when the enemy comes with a lie, you say, I'm not going to listen to that. Get out. I shut the door on you. Get out. You don't have no right. You that I stand against that. That's not true. I capture that thought and I make it submissive to Christ. You can fight the enemy and give him an eviction notice that he removes the hands off of you. So what are your weapons? I'm going to go over them briefly and I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Weapon number one. Besides, of course, besides being saved before, besides you surrendering your life to Jesus, that's the number one. You cannot fight a spiritual warfare. You cannot fight a spiritual warfare without being anchored in Jesus. You cannot fight this war without having said yes to Jesus because you have no authority. You have no place, and the enemy will just laugh at you and say, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who the heck are you? And he will laugh in your face. But when you're in Jesus, it's never about a power encounter. And I, I learned this from a pastor. It's never about a power encounter between God and the enemy. It's always a truth encounter. The truth of God's word against the lies of the enemy. And they have to be rendered useless upon the authority in the kingdom of God because every knee will bow in the name of Jesus. So that's my weapon number one. The weapon number one is use the name of Jesus, as I use this briefly. Mark 16, 17 says, Jesus said, In my name you have power to cast out evil spirit. In the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous person can run into and be saved. That's Proverbs 18.10. And Philippians 2.9.11 says, Therefore God has given Jesus a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will one day bow and in every tongue will one day confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Weapon number two, consistently commit yourself, cleanse, and confess. 
Commit yourself to Christ. Say yes to him. Say yes to his call. Say yes to his word. Cleanse your house. Ask him, God, I repent. Before you go to bed every single night, think about your day and think, God, I, I messed it here. I blew it here. God, I confess this. God, I, I ask me to wash me, transform me, change me, oh God, and close the door of the enemy. Close the door and cause him to leave my house, so to leave my mind, to leave my thoughts, and bring time from transformation and when you mess up you consistently run to the throne of grace so weapon number two have consistency in your relationship with God Hebrews 12 says this therefore since we have such a cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us also lay aside every encumbrances of the sins which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. Have consistency in your walk with God. Bind and lose in prayer. Weapon number three. Matthew 16, 19 says, Whatever you bind in prayer on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose in prayer will be loosened in heaven. Weapon four. The empty house principle. It's the law of spiritual substitution. Basically, don't pull up the weeds without planting flowers. The enemy says that you can cast it out, but if you don't fear your household, he's just going to round around and try to find five, seven more greater and come back and bring more destruction than the first time. So when you surrender and you evict the enemy of your life, you say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Holy Spirit, fill me with your truth. Jesus, fill me with your love. Remember that scripture tells us to resist the devil, but flee from temptation. That's for everybody. Scripture says resist the devil, but flee from temptation. So whatever that temptation it is, whatever that struggle it is, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, whatever it might be, run away from it. Run away from it. Whatever that circumstance in front of you, run the opposite direction. As fast as you can. Weapon five. Focus on the blood of Jesus and claim it when you pray. Exodus 12, 13 talks about when the Passover was happening and they covered the poles of the house with the blood of the lamb. That was just a representation. Destruction's coming, but because I'm a child of God, I'm covered. You and I are covered with the blood of Jesus when we have said yes to him. And the enemy knows. But you have to walk in consistency in that truth. Because the enemy knows whether you're consistent with God or not. And if he sees inconsistency in your life, he will attack you regardless of when you have said yes to Jesus. There has to be a consistency. There has to be a mark. There has to be a fervor. There has to be an intensity between you and God at all times. So the enemy realized, I cannot mess with them because they're in God's truth. I cannot mess with them because they know God's word. I cannot mess with them because they're in relationship with God. Revelations 12, 11 says that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and through the words of their testimony. Weapon 6, pray back and speak aloud the word of God. 
There's nothing more powerful for you to do than to remind yourself of God's truth. Pray them out loud. Remind them of you to themselves. Psalms 107.20 says, God sent his word to them and his very word healed them of all their diseases and delivered them from all of their enemies. Proverbs 6, 21, 22, bind the word continually in your heart, even tie it around your neck so that it never leaves you. When you sleep, it will keep you safe. When you wake up, it will keep, it will talk with you. Weapon 7, endure. Ephesians 6, 13, and when you have done everything, you know, to remain faithful, spiritual, keep on standing. That's connected to the armor that I mentioned at the beginning. When you and I are clothed in the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When you and I wake up and go to bed, never take the armor off. I don't have a literal armor that every morning I wake up, when I get out of bed, I pull it out of bed, I put this helmet. No. It's standing on the truth that you already know of God's word. You stand in the truth that you are his child. You stand in this truth that I'm anchoring him. And because I'm anchoring him, I'm protected from all these attacks of the enemy. And when the attacks do come, I know how to fight. Amen? So stand strong in the faith. As I close, I ask you to stand with me. There's so much that we haven't talked about when it comes to spiritual warfare. There's so much that I didn't have a chance to cover. But what I want you to know and what I wanted to do is for you to be aware that there is an enemy of your soul, but your God is greater. The enemy of your soul is so small compared to the greatness of who God is. There is nothing to powerful, too strong, too wide, too crazy for God not to be able to deal with. And I want you to realize that the enemy does want to bring destruction, but you can have victory according to this word. You can have victory as you walk faithfully with Jesus. You can have victory as you close the door of the enemy with hatred, frustration, and forgiveness. And you said, enough is enough. I choose today to forgive. I choose this day to say yes to God and you close the door on the enemy and you tell him enough is enough get out of my house get out of my thought patterns get out of my life get out of my children get out of my future because I'm standing with God amen so these altars are going to be open for you to come and surrender for you to come and confess for you to say Jesus I do need you Jesus, I need your strength to forgive those who have hurt me. Jesus, I do need your empowerment to walk in the faithfulness of your truth. God, I do need you to come and cleanse my life of everything. Consider the source of your problem. Is it a physical thing? Ask God to heal it. Is it an emotional thing? Talk to somebody and ask God to bring salvation and healing and transformation in those thoughts, in those traumas, in those hurtful events. Is it a spiritual thing? Surrender and close whatever door the enemy has had in your life to come destruction through the various things that I mentioned. And say, in Jesus' name, 
I command you to get out of my house. You no longer have access. And when you fail, and when you mess up, which you and I will, run to the throne of grace. Run to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to cleanse you. Close the door of the enemy and say, God, I stand whole in your presence. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can walk in your truth and your freedom. Amen? Would you let me pray for you? As I pray for you, feel free to come to this altar. I might linger a little bit more to pray for you with, alongside you, but then again, I'm going to be leaving to catch a plane. I do love you. I do care for you. Our ushers will be here and our deacons will be here to pray alongside you. But let me pray this over you and may you walk in the victory this morning of God's truth. Amen. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Jesus, I thank you that you are victorious. Jesus, I thank you that we have victory in you. We thank you that you are such a big God. We thank you that there is nothing too powerful or too strong for you. God, we surrender to you this morning. God, I pray for those who are watching online or in this place, whether they're far from you, God, that they would choose to surrender their lives to you this morning. God, I pray that you grab them, that you grab a hold of them, oh God, that you lead them into salvation, that you speak your truth and your love and your grace upon them, that they will realize that it's your love that's drawing them near, not condemnation, not a father that's trying to beat them up, but a father who's trying to love on them and grace them and lead them with truth. May they run to your salvation. May they run to the altar. May they run to your place, oh God, because you are a big God. Father, for the rest of us who are in this room, who have said yes to you, but we realize there are certain things in our lives, whether it's physical, God, I pray that you bring healing. Whether it's emotional, God, I pray that you bring transformation in our thinking and allow us to process through those experiences and realize that you've been there all along and that you are there to bring healing and transformation right now. And God, whether it's spiritual, may we realize the schemes of the enemy in our lives. May we close the door to him as we surrender everything to Jesus and apply the blood of Jesus. And in Jesus' mighty name, may we cast him out out of our lives. May we give him an eviction notice that he no longer has right over us. So right now I pray in the matchless name of Jesus. God, I pray for victory over your people. God, I pray for deliverance over your people. God, I pray for healing over your children right now. God, I pray that no longer as they're shutting the door that the enemy has heard that many of them internally have said enough is enough. Right now, God, I pray that every foul thing that the enemy has caused and brought destruction upon their lives to lose his grip over them right now, that they will walk in the freedom that comes from heaven, that they will walk in the authority that comes from heaven that they will walk in the identity that you call them sons and daughter of you oh god that they will walk in the boldness of your power and the empowerment of your holy spirit god i pray right now that you set them free and that you rebuke every work of the enemy and you bring wholeness and god as you're rebuking and removing right now god i pray that you fill with your holy spirit that they will be anchoring your truth anchoring your word anchored in you realizing that you are that they are loved by you that you have made a way 
and that there's nothing impossible for you. And God, we thank you. I thank you in advance for the victory of our brothers and sisters. I thank you in advance for the transformation that's coming. I thank you in advance for the transformation that's happening now as we say enough is enough and we say yes to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your truth. May we not roll over and just die, but may we choose to fight for our lives, for our relationship with you. And may you open our eyes not to be blinded by the schemes of the enemy, but to wage war in the spiritual war that we are part of. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we are victorious in you. And thank you that we don't have to suffer or linger or stay in suffering because we can run to you with everything in our lives. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your transformation. Thank you for setting us free. And let God's people say amen and amen.